All right. Greetings. Welcome to Mikhail Speak Life. Episode two, to the hard way. Today, my guest is Phil Monaco. Um, Phil grew up playing cello and bass and working with his hands, mostly with wood and metals, and ultimately worked as a violin maker and restorer until FSH, due muscular dystrophy, forced him to stop. He has spent the ensuing time figuring out life hacks that allow him to keep moving and doing for as long as possible and in as safe a way as possible. I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. Um, I met Phil uh, 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 maybe a few months ago. And uh, we got along famously. Um, I also have FSHD. He's probably the first cat I met that um, that has the same thing I have. So um, he was completely um, interesting to me because... Uh, I saw how he, uh, how one of the first things I noticed was he had a table that he built that was on his, uh, his, uh, his school. So Phil, welcome to Mikel Speak Life. Um, Thank you for having me. Oh man, it's such a pleasure. Um, I just want to, you know, I guess one of the first things I want to ask you is, um, uh, your diagnosis happened how many years ago? Oh, um, I was 27. Oh, 26. Sorry. So, yeah, um, over 25 years ago. 25 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Um, how long have you, uh, how long have you been sitting down? How long have you been, you know, um, well, I got my first scooter before I was locked into it, if that makes right. sense, <laughs> because I was extremely frustrated at not being able to do things that my wife and I used to do, go for walks in the park, um, do as, you know, when, when you are no longer doing that, all of a sudden, you know, having a, I actually rented one to go to the Bob Marley People for Peace Festival down in Delaware. Um, and it was just such a revelation to be able to drive around the festival and listen to awesome reggae and be nice. out with family and friends. And, you know, it was it was something that I had deprived myself through. Well, it was a combination of things, you know. I mean, I I inherited the muscular dystrophy from my father, and he had a different path than I did. He started losing strength in his legs first and i started losing ah. strength in my arms Can you move that mic a little closer to your mouth because your voice is real you got this real bass voice and uh am i not coming through <laughs> yeah you're coming through i just want to make sure it registers nice and clear because what you're saying is important yeah um yeah um i i uh i was trying to walk as much as i could for as long as i could um, yeah. Because I was afraid of of increasing my rate of atrophy through disuse, 
Um, right. And they had at first told me that I could not increase my race of rate of atrophy through overuse. Um, right. But I, I know, I mean, now from hindsight, I know that this has been going on with me since I was a teenager. I do too much. The next day feels like someone kicked me in the stomach and then I haven't been able to do a sit up since, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I know you can sympathize with that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I was trying to move as much as possible. So I put off getting a mobility device longer than I probably should have. Mm. Um, and with the result that I was just falling down all the time and, and not going out as much as I could have, you know? Right. Um, and so, you know, I mean, falling down was a good thing to avoid. So, yeah, that's what, that's what made me, that's how I was moved uh, to get the diagnosis initially right. because I was having a lot of falls and I was like, what's going on? And, you know, my wife just intuited that I need to see a neurologist. And, and so I went and he just looked at me and told me that I have FSHD. And then I did yeah. a whole year and a half of tests. Um, so when, when, you know, when you got your, uh, how long did it take you to acclimate yourself Um because I, I know this was uh, an issue for me, like, you know, like I know you were a performer and all of that as well. So how long did it take you to acclimate yourself uh, into the, the chair and be able to kind of get around um, freely? Uh, like it took me about a year to be able to cross the street, <laughs> you know, without uh, having somebody with me. Right. Um, I guess I'm a bit of a daredevil. The day I got the scooter, I started voiding the warranty on it. So <laughs> I, I just, I, right off the bat, I started doing what they told me I shouldn't. And, you know, I mean, I, I dumped it in the woods going off the path. And, you know, I just, because wow. <laughs> I'm just, I, I don't know, I, I don't. I don't like taking no for an answer. I, I, I kept working in the shop a lot longer than I should have. I, I yeah. just, you know, um, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, like I said, they told me that I couldn't increase my rate of atrophy. So I was like, oh, all right, this is great. I'm just going to keep living my life the way I want to, you know? And so I'm going right. bowling and stuff. And then I destroyed my right bicep. And then that made me, I mean, teach myself to do a bunch of things left-handed. Like I had to learn how to brush my teeth wow. left-handed, which sounds like a nothing thing, but no, it's a thing. I'm left-handed, and I'm, you know, I'm learning how to do a lot of things uh, with my right hand. My right hand has the shortest reach, though. Mm. You know, I, I, that's one of the things about um, about this condition that's uh, uh, amazingly frustrating is that. Um, you know, the day before you were able to do something and then the very next day you're like, oh, wow, I just did that yesterday. Why is it so difficult today? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, the bowling incident. I mean, literally the next day I couldn't lift my arm um, wow. with my, my bicep could not lift my arm with nothing in my hand. And, mm -hmm. and when I went to the doctor, they said, oh, well, that's not the way muscular dystrophy works. Something else is going on. And they just sent me for endless tests and stuff but right. i'm not dumping on doctors by the way they are they they me coming in and saying something is just an analogy you know it's not like a, it's not a real thing you know um it, it needs to be 
but anyway, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not dumping on them. They were they were saying what they thought was, you know, the most accurate right. information at the time. Their um, understanding of it, you know, but yeah. um, actually reasoning with it, there's a whole other understanding that um, that I don't think that uh, people who don't know don't know. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, that I've heard about you is that. Um, uh, your friends and family call you MacGyver. Mm-hmm. What? What? Can you explain a little bit about that? I don't like taking no for an answer. So um, when when I blew out my left bicep and I could no longer hold my left arm on the neck of my base, um, I made a I made basically a bungee cord strap so that I could keep playing for as long as I could. Um, uh, I mean, in, in the picture that I sent you, I'm sitting on my scooter. My my base is behind me. You can't see the strap, but it's not far away. <laughs> and I'm using and I'm using the prototype of the table that you saw. I'm about to eat a salad on my um, on my wooden table. That you know, when I first got the scooter, I I found like, oh, this is great because I could just turn and and eat at the table sitting right. on the scooter but it started really hurting my back because my feet weren't up on the scooter deck you know uh, and so I, I made that table partly so that i could eat at home comfortably and also partly so that i could go out to eat because i couldn't sit at a restaurant table because i i mean i suppose i could if i had two strong people that were my height to pick me up afterwards right. you know because i'd have to sort of hover above the chair and just let my legs go and then drop onto the chair but then i would need someone to lift me out of it and i have to get out yeah you know, call it pride whatever i didn't like it <laughs> oh no I, I it is pride and and i understand it implicitly um i i i you know when we moved into this apartment and we you know a lot of our stuff was new we got this great green couch and I can't sit on it now because it's too low. Um, if I sit on it, I need help to get up. So the only place I, I sit is in this. It was in my. I have like a adjustable wheelchair, you know, that is too big to go anywhere. It weighs like almost three hundred pounds. Um, that's what I'm in. That's what I'm in right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, and you know, so it you know raises the feet. It raises up, so it can raise up, and so it helps me to be able to actually get out of it. And I can walk to the bathroom, walk to the kitchen, or wherever. Um, um, but what other what other devices um, have you created to help you in your home? When I was still able to do stairs at all, I could only climb them if I had a railing on the left side. Um, mm-hmm. Like if the railing was on the right side, I didn't have enough muscle on that side of my body to climb them but if the rail was on the left i could just do it and i mean my brother-in-law's house and a couple other places that i like to go only had the railing on the right so i made myself a movable handrail that had two feet so one would stand on one step and the other foot was eight inches higher so it would stand on the next step and i could wow i could just go up steps with it it was like a like a two Right. It was a two footed cane with an extra, well, I guess three feet. So two feet on the steps and one foot on the wall. So I could oh, actually two feet on the wall. <laughs> so it was nice and stable. So I could, so I could get myself up, um, safely, you know, um, as it turned out, I was only able to use that thing for a fairly short period of time. And then, yeah. 
Um, then that was no longer working for me, but it kept me moving for as long as I could, for as long as I could. Um, awesome. you know, the, the, the strap for playing my bass kept me going. Um, the table kept me going. Um, nice. I used to go food shopping when I could still walk. I would use the shopping cart as a, as a, as a walker. Yeah. And the great thing about it is that walkers have like these two handles that are off on the side. And I'm, I'm like six, four and, and like walkers are, they're like all the way down here. So when I trip, I would have landed, ended up on the ground if I was with a walker. Whereas with the shopping cart, like at a big supermarket, those shopping carts, I could actually fall and land on the shopping cart. Right, <laughs> you know? and I, and I, right. I wouldn't be on the ground. I could still stand up from that. I'd be like holding right. myself up. So I did that for a while. Um, and I, by the end of that, it was like I had to choose a parking spot that had a shopping cart next to it because I couldn't walk to the stand to get the carts, you know. Um, but then when I couldn't do that anymore, I actually came up with a little um, with a little trailer that I put on the back of my scooter um, because it, it's got a it's got a thing that's supposed to mount an oxygen tank. But I looked at it and I was like, that's a trailer hitch. I can, I've got a good, good 150 pounds of hauling capacity. Awesome. <laughs> you know, cause, so, so yeah, I did that for a while. That, that kept me going. Um, ah, it's not the only thing. Um, so what, well, I what, got fed up. What, well, I, what I got fed up with, through, um, like in terms of like, you know, the creative part, like, because you, you lost a lot of, uh, of your creative practice. Um, did Basically you all of it, yeah. Yeah, did you kind of replace that creative practice with uh, with making your MacGyver stuff? Or or did you, uh, what, what, what kind of turn did you make into, uh, how did you lean into still being a creative? Because once a creative, always a creative. I still come mm -hmm. up with the ideas. I just don't execute as well anymore. <laughs> you know? So like that, that, um, that handrail thing that I made was beautiful teak and oak and varnished and, you know, cork pads. So it wouldn't scratch my brother's yeah. stairs and stuff, you know, but I mean, the last thing I made for myself was, uh, you know, those little tabletop, uh, espresso makers. Yes. It's like they're, it's an octagon. So I got to the point where, most of the time I couldn't even open it. And half the time I was making my arms hurt for a couple of days trying, and I would always get my wife to unscrew the thing for me. And I was like, well, this sucks. Yeah. So, so I made a giant wrench that I can put against my hip and then I can use two hands on the top of the pot and just pop it off. And nice. so that was my latest hack. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but I did straight off the saw and 20 years ago, I would have been embarrassed to make something that looked that poor, but it works. So now, functionality <laughs> is, the, is the issue now. So yeah, exactly. In, 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 in creating those things, have you ever, have you come across anything that like, uh, has, you know, think about any commercial potential or that could, uh, that could work for, uh, for everybody, you know, Everybody, because I'm talks thinking in those terms that. myself. You know, Everybody and, and talks to me about that. You were the inspiration in me starting to think like that, like you know, because a lot of times I'll do something and I, like, you know, I'll be trying to, you know, fix my locks into the bun, or like I'm like, how do I do that in a place where I don't have my chair? You know, the regular way I do it. You know, right? 
one because I, I'll move my chair back and I'll be able to put my elbows on my knees and then I'll be able to reach my head. Um, yep. And so I was like, maybe some like uh, something that sticks on the wall and I can put my elbow on it. Or, I use the refrigerator. Like like, um, so I've been thinking of like a lot of things like that may have uh, some potential. Have, have you, do you, are you thinking in those terms or? I feel like most of the things I've made for myself are so specific to me that I haven't bothered trying to patent them or anything okay. like that. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it's, uh, I mean, that, that table that, that works for me on my scooter, it works for me. I mean, it's a tilting, it's a, it's a tilting tiller on the scooter, right? So if you don't right. have it in the same position, I like it in the table's not going to be level. So it would have to be a completely different table. So like, I, and I don't even know if they would fit different brands of Delta tiller. So it, it's mm -hmm. like a, it's a, it's a very, very specific thing. I, I thought through a couple different ways of like, you know, trying to come up with wedges or cams because i did think of that and honestly like the the first thing i thought was that i it would be fun to set up a nonprofit company that i could try to get get this stuff into the hands of people that need it for cheap because one of the things that just frustrates me to no end is how anything that's called a medical device is automatically worth three times than it should be you know yeah it just very it drives expensive. me up a wall I, yeah I mean, me too i mean that that strap that i made into a a thing to keep Phil playing bass for a while, that that was actually something that my health insurance bought me to, it, it was grasping at straws. I, I told the physical therapist when he ordered it for me that I'd be surprised if it helped at all. It was back when I was still trying to but find a way to keep working. Was repurposed? Yeah, I unstitched it and took it apart and used all the separate pieces to make myself a strap. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> You know, it was originally ago, a, um, it had two shoulder straps and it was and like an elastic thing that was supposed to hold my shoulders back. Ah, it's like a, it was like a shoulder brace. Yeah, because like when okay. when when I first started going in, they they were offering me some what to me sounded like pretty bizarre stuff because for me I was coming from it from a I want to keep working at my workbench place right and they were coming to it from uh you don't want to look like you have muscular dystrophy place and i was like i don't really care right. what i look like I, I care about the function you know and so yeah. so i was you know when they were offering me the the um scapular um tying what do they call it they where they they basically wire your scapula down so so that you don't look like you're rolling forward anymore so oh, you don't okay. you know so like if you if you were to lift your arm out your your the wing wouldn't stick out anymore right and so they were offering me like this thing where they would just basically wire the muscles together the bones together so that so that it couldn't drop forward like that and i said well wow. is that going to hold my arm in a better position where i can hope to build the muscle back and they said well no but you won't be having those wings anymore i was like well i don't care about the wings wow. i want to be able to work at my bench you know and then they offered me like um muscle implants which I understand a lot of people, it's just about wanting to to present and to look a certain way. But to me, I was like, I'd, I'd rather, I, I don't want to look like Superman and still be weak. I mean, that doesn't make any sense yeah. to me, you know what yeah. I mean? Well, I'll tell um, you, for laying off of me shit, Not, I never even heard of the things you're talking about. 
I was diagnosed a lot longer ago than you were. So like yeah. when I when I was diagnosed, it was actually it, it was because my father was falling, 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 falling. And he he actually I mean, he fell so many times he had to get chunks of bone removed from his knees because, wow. you know, I mean, it was pretty bad. And one of the things that kept me trying to walk as long as I could and not give in and get the mobility device was that my dad, in an effort to keep walking and, and deal with the foot drop issue, um, which causes the tripping because you can't hold your foot up. And so your toes right. drop and then you, you, you know, you trip on a smooth floor yeah. when there's nothing there. So he ended up getting um, uh, plastic braces that prevented the feet from dropping and right. it was awesome at first because he stopped tripping and and once he learned how to walk in them he was like oh this is great and he stopped tripping and falling yeah but the problem was that it led to such an increased it, it read led to such a speedy atrophy in the calf muscles that he ultimately couldn't walk without them like at all uh you know right. and and so he, and it's one of these things where where you end up in a situation where you think, wow, what if I hadn't done that? Like, would I have been right. able to stay stronger longer? Should I have done right. something different? And so just trying to build on the knowledge gained, just trying, to, trying to figure out a different mm -hmm. way, which is honestly the single strongest driving force that's got me here talking to you, not one-on-one, -on -one, but in a format that maybe someone else can listen to and glean something from because I like the idea of sharing anything positive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, before when we were talking about the, you know, items with commercial potential, one of the things that I heard a comedian say a long time ago is uh, uh, some of the things that are, are, that you think are the most personal are the most universal. And that I've, I've, that understanding has, you know, takes me across a lot of different energies and genres. Like, and so like a lot of times when you talk about, you know, your personal journey, um, you don't know how universal that journey is. And so, you know, this condition is very personal. I mean, it affects everybody in a very specific way. Like, um, you know, the first letter of FSHD stands for fascia, which is your face. Yes. And um, and I think we're both fortunate that it hasn't affected our faces. Uh, Not very so, much, yeah. You know, and um, but you know, everybody's journey in this is different. But everybody's journey in this has a universality that um, that even people who don't um, understand what we're dealing with or don't have any ailments whatsoever, um, there's a, there's a, a knowledge inside of this. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's why I, I wanted to have this kind of conversation with you. Absolutely. I mean, my espresso pot wrench would be of use for anyone with arthritis or someone with one exactly. hand or, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, without a doubt, I, I recognize that, but then I guess I also kind of defeat myself by thinking, well, that's just a stupid wrench. Anyone can come up with that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I guess the world is full of silly little inventions <laughs> that yeah. make life easier. Yeah. Yeah. How, how long has it been since you actually played any music? The last time I tried to 
playing my bass at um, 15 minutes of practicing led to two days of recovery. Um, and so it's been a long time, uh, years. Yeah. Have you, have you, have you figured out any other ways to kind of get that musical thing off? I sing. Um, yeah, you got that bass voice. And, uh, I, I, I have to admit that musical was music was so central to what I was about that when what I was about was taken away from me for want of a better word, I, um, yeah, I mean, my depression just prevented me from really doing anything about it for a long time. Like I stopped looking for new music. I stopped. I just stopped you know, yeah. frustrated and angry. Yes. Yeah, and, it's, um, a painful, it's a painful thing to have removed from your life, you know, especially when it's, it's so central. I mean, you know, for me, um, I used my voice and um, I'm, I'm not as strong as I was, so my voice isn't as strong as it was. Um, but I'm starting to figure out ways to use tools and vocal processors and the things that I was using for fun, uh, for function now. Right. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking of, and it's something that I might want to pull you in on at some point, is, uh, is doing a, a, a vocal project and using the voices as instrumentation. But we'll talk about that some other time. I just want to throw cool. that out to you while you was here. Um, I'm down. Um, you know, as, as, as your condition progresses, um, do you find it harder to uh, to be outside of your home? Is your home like kind of your safe haven, like you can move around there comfortably? And, and, uh, Without a doubt, I have I have hand grabs and bars, and you know, I've I've created the things here that I need. My my bed is jacked up higher than it was when we bought it i you know yeah um yeah yeah because I, I you know my home is my safe haven and, and um i don't have all of the equipment that i need per se but i'm just able to maneuver it i've learned it you know and um yeah. but going outside of my home always becomes this like almost uh, uh almost like i guess i would call it like i'm paranoid I'm like without a doubt yeah without a doubt I I honestly like you know with with everything going on with COVID and so many people living on the edge and stuff I can't deny I feel like I have a bit of a bullseye on my back when I go out too because it's like you mm -hmm. know most crime is opportunistic and nobody looks as easy to knock right. over as someone in a wheelchair you know yeah. <laughs> so I, I I can't deny that that goes through my head too um, I, although know, honestly in Southside Jamaica, where like you know, you couldn't even limp, <laughs> like you didn't want to look like a victim, you know. Yeah, man. And so that's a big fear of mine as well, and and just the whole thing about, uh, you know, a man being able to protect himself and and, and his people, you know. Um, do do you actually do do you carry anything uh, to defend yourself? 
if, if I tried to defend myself with a knife, I'd be more likely to get stabbed with it. Oh, just, I'd be flailing. <laughs> <laughs> Stay back. I might cut myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I do. I do have a knife right here on my wheelchair, but I use it for opening boxes and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I use it as a tool, not a weapon. I hear you. I hear you. Well, you know, they, nowadays they have like these, uh, uh, they have the mace that sprays um, uh, within a certain distance and it also uh, leaves a, a color mark. Um, yeah, I that. hadn't even thought of that, but I guess I could think of like bear spray or a loud whistle or something i i honestly i hadn't even it, it, i hadn't even thought of it it's it's uh you know i mean i mentioned the bullseye i think but honestly it's sort of in the back of my mind i tend to i tend to push stuff like that to my back of my mind and just yeah. get on with whatever yeah. i feel like doing the thing that keeps me in the house more than anything is when it's cold and raining and, and like i just i can't physically take it like going outside in the winter i mean i get so cold that all my muscles lock up and oh, wow. then like even something that I could do when I'm warm, like stand up and get in and out of a car or something becomes 10 times harder when I'm, wow. when I'm cold, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't know if you've started doing this too, but I've, I mean, come wintertime, I'm just basically always wearing jeans that are lined with flannel or, or, um, Oh yeah. You know, I rock the long fleece. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Wearing long johns underneath pants just gets too restrictive for me nowadays, but the lined ones are good. They keep me warm without restricting my motion, um, which is important for me. But, um, yeah, uh, I, 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 I make myself go outside, um, when it's nice and, you know, if I wrap something warm around my legs when it's cold out, you know, just to get out, but it definitely, it adds an extra, layer of complexity doesn't it yeah so it's, it's it as an extra layer of challenge yes and <laughs> yeah and then it starts getting crazy. easier to stay home <laughs> yeah it's a lot easier to stay home um, but you know you got a wife and she she wants to go out too so um, that becomes uh, a, a challenge as well and uh and an act of bravery as well just mm-hmm. be able to go out and do some regular, regular stuff. You know? Yep, just go for a walk in the park. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say is? Would you say that the most challenging thing of of this whole experience has been for you? What's the most challenging part? Of it? Whether it's continued challenge or whether it's a challenge that has already, you know, that you've already whipped its ass or it's already whipped your ass or however you want to look at it. Um, I mean, mentally, I suppose mentally challenging was harder at the beginning for me when I first, like, I mean, when I had to walk away from my career. Um, You know, music was a loved hobby, but, you know, violence and woodworking was my career. Um, That trying to find a new normal was really, really difficult for me. But I, yeah. I, I suppose like the the biggest overall hardest thing for me is that 
it never stops, you know, it's progressive. And so it, it feels like death by a thousand cuts because every time you're like, oh, well, this sucks. And then you figure out a life hack or you figure out a way to do it or you put a grab bar where you need it or you, you know, but then like six months down the road, it's like, oh, now I have to trash that because it's not working anymore. And yeah. I have to come up with a whole new, I, I suppose that the, 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 the progression of it, I suppose, is the thing that is. Man, is you said a but, whole life full of stuff in that one paragraph. Like yeah, that's um, one of the. That's because that's the challenging part for me. I mean, yeah, having mm -hmm. to walk away from like what I did, you know, um, you know, being on stage, uh, you know, being front and center with your finery on and all of that, because that's that's that was my life. Uh, jumping on an airplane, going to some place you've never been before, and rocking the house and all of that. And letting that go was really difficult. But the, the most difficult part is is that um, is that every day is a whole brand new uh, fight and a brand new challenge, unlike yeah. yesterday. Yeah, and I have to say, probably my worst time was when I was in the denial stage. The, you know, I mean, I don't want to equate myself with people who've been to war, but PTSD transfers, you know, that's yeah. not just the theater of war that causes it. Um, and I definitely went through all of that. I was completely in denial about, the, you know, where I was, you know, yeah. I, mean, I probably, if not for respect for my customers and love for the objects I was working on, I probably would have kept working longer than I did, despite the blinding pain I was putting myself yeah. through. You know, I mean, I, like, like my doctors had me on prescription strength of leave and Vioxx when before it was taken off the market and, you know, all this stuff. And, and like I said to my doctor, it was it was a revelation because it took about it, it took somewhere between six months and a year from when I stopped working at the bench. But when my right elbow actually stopped feeling like it was on fire all the time, yeah. it was, it was a revelation. I mean, I went to my doctor, I was like, Oh my God, you know, of all of the things, like the, the single thing that helped me the most was getting past the denial and walking away from my bench. So, yeah, you know, I mean, that, that was probably a big part of it too, just being honest with myself about yeah. my limitations and not trying to keep pushing because yeah, that's that, a hard that one is definitely, past. That's definitely a part of my MO is that like I, <clears throat> I'm just one of the, I mean, I grew up working with my hands. So I'm just one of these people. If there's a project in front of me, I work until the project's done. And I, yeah. you know, <laughs> like when I first started, like really spending more time cooking and stuff, I, I would stand there cooking and I'd be like, oh, I just want to finish this thing. And then I'd fall and I'd be on the floor in the kitchen and Allison would be like, what are you doing in there? And I'm like, I just want to finish this thing. And I'd be all angry and frustrated. And she'd be like, what's going on with you? So, so check this out. So what, what's, what's, uh, what's inspiring you the most right now? Where's your inspiration come from now? Um, I, uh, well, I mean, the thing that I do physically to keep myself going is cooking and it's, um, it's a, it's a three tiered thing. I, I want to be healthy and I want to stand up and I want to not gain weight. And so cooking really healthy food for myself solves all three of those things at the same time, because I can, yeah. I can stand in the kitchen and, you know, I, I can't just like 
stand in the middle of a room with a cane, I would fall over, but I can right. stand, I can stand and lean against a counter for, you know, right. a fair amount of time at a stretch. I'm smart now. I, you know, I, I stand and do for a little while and then I sit down and rest when right. I have to, and then I get up and finish, you know, I do it smart now, but, um, <clears throat> but yeah, by standing and making a tripod and, and I use a huge, like 12, 13 inch chef knife that has so much weight that I can, um, I can put two hands on it. Um, and so I don't know if you've ever tried this, but if your arms start getting weaker, if you use a really long knife, you can chop eat more easily by putting the fingertips of your left hand on the tip of the knife on top of it and push down on the chopping board with that and then mm -hmm. hold the thing you're cutting in place with your left thumb. And then with your right arm, you just rock up and down on the round tip oh, of the wow. knife, the okay. knee of the knife. And by doing that, you only have to press half as hard with your right shoulder because because otherwise when you press down the tip of the knife comes up off the chopping board and you don't cut all the way through your carrot you know you're just kind of seesawing back and forth right. on top but by putting a little bit of pressure i get to split the work of chopping between both of my shoulders and neither one of my arms is doing all the work so that's you know one thing that makes it a little faster and easier <clears throat> keeps me from getting my arms too weak because that's another thing i have to you know really pay attention to because you know I was like, all right, so I can't work wood anymore, but how about a softer medium like vegetables, you know? <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, I'm doing that. And I, I mean, I actually, I, I destroyed my left tricep making a cheese casserole because I grated, I grated too much cheese and blew out my left tricep. And oh, wow. That was, the, that was the last time I was able to use a box grater. Do you have a lot um, of kitchen tools? Like, you know, stuff that now grates or, you know, chops up stuff I do have a food processor and stuff. I, um, I'm, I'm a Luddite. <laughs> I, I like the, I like the old stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, my, my, some of my favorite kitchen tools are stuff I inherited from my grandparents and my mom. Oh, wow. I, I, well, that's so, awesome. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, yeah, I, I cook soup in a pot that I've been eating out my whole life. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, no, I don't have a whole lot of tools. I just try to figure out physical ways to do what I want to do. Like, um, okay. like I, I, I couldn't do the box grater anymore because in order to do that, you have to go up and down vertically. Um, right. And, and so, it, I mean, you can use a box grater, but it's irritating because it drops into the box. But I just, I got a... Uh, a I got one that lays sideways across the bowl. So instead of having to lift my arm, all I have to do is put what I want to grate on top of it and go back and forth this way. And right. I can basically lean the weight of my arm on top of the thing. You know, right. I mean, these days really all I grate is frozen. Um, I like to put frozen uh, ginger and turmeric into my food. I, I peel it and freeze it and then I grate it so I don't have big Oh, that's a great idea. Um, cause if you try to grate ginger when it's raw, you just get strings. It's like, yeah, just hay, get string, you know? yeah. yeah, but if you freeze it and then you grate it, you get like this wonderful, it just suffuses everything. You're not chewing the grass. Oh, nice, bro. You just, I know you just taught me something. So another Phil life hack. <laughs> another Phil life hack. Yeah, man. I mean, maybe that's the thing is, is, is a little book of Phil life hacks. 
cooking with Phil. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> hacking with Phil. <laughs> oh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, now the kitchen is pretty much your your your, your place of inspiration. Um, just uh, maybe, I guess your two or three top things that you make. Wow, that's your um, really that you do often or that you're proud of or that your wife likes the best or oh she likes almost everything I make if I'm honest (laughs) (laughs) um yeah there's a variety of things I mean the things that I get the most pleasure out of cooking are things that remind me of my youth um so one of the things my mom used to make growing up was a uh a cold rice salad that she would make in the summer that had like apples and um rice and a whole bunch of vegetables and peanuts and cheese and wow um, it, it just it, it was just really good and when i first started making it i made it with quinoa and um nice. instead of instead of the brown mm-hmm. rice yeah. and uh and the first time allison saw it she was like I don't know about that because she was looking at all the ingredients. She's like, "What are you, raisins, peanuts, apples, quinoa, vegetables? What are you talking about? Cheddar cheese?" <laughs> you know. But then she started eating, it and she was like, "Oh my god!" And then I like the biggest compliment I ever got was from my sister-in-law who tasted that, and she was like, "I didn't know I like quinoa salad this much." And then she told me later that every time she ate out and saw quinoa salad on a restaurant menu, she would order it, saying wow. to herself, "Oh, I love quinoa salad." <laughs> and she came over here like two months later. And she told me she was like, "You know, I realized I like your quinoa salad." <laughs> so I like that. You know, it's it's nice to be complimented that strongly. But oh, for yeah, sure. You know, I, I mean. Allison had the foresight to get my grandmother's pumpkin bread recipe before she passed. So I make my grandmother's actual pumpkin bread in her baking pans. And so that, that gives me pleasure. You know, I, I, I make um, pickled red beet eggs, pickled red beets. That's a Lancaster County thing. I, um, so that, that brings me back to my childhood. And, awesome. Um, yeah. I, I, I like making that, but yeah, I, I make a lot of, I mean, stuff I make all the time, kale, um, curried vegetables with chickpeas, lentil soup. As soon as I run out of lentil soup, I'm making a new lentil soup. <laughs> um, I make a lot of soups. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I like things that I can spend a day making a big pot of it. And then I don't have to cook because I have like maybe eight servings that I can freeze, you know? Um, so I like doing that because it splits up the work and I don't like, cause I can't do that much work day to day. I can do, I can do stuff and then take a couple of days break and then do stuff. And, you know, right. I know I, I, you know, I woke up this morning and like, I don't know what I, I was trying to remember, you know, I always try to remember what I did the day before because I'm like, why is my back feel like I just did eight hours of work? Or why do I feel this way? Or why does my arm hurt? Why does, you know? Um, yeah, do, man. Do you have any, uh, uh, like, you know, when I, when I first got diagnosed, I asked the doctor, hey, so what am I supposed to do about this? And the doctor became Scooby-Doo. You remember Scooby-Doo? He was like, oh, oh. And so they actually had zero answers for me, zero meds for me. Um, I pretty yeah. much had to uh, figure out most of what uh, helps me uh, myself. And so the three things that I, I learned that helped me 
our uh, our massage, um, acupuncture, and chiropractic. Awesome. Um, the other thing that I discovered that helps me is the occasional muscle relaxing. Okay. And, and so it took a while for me to acquire all of those things, and I'm still well, I'm still working on acquiring, reacquiring them. I had them in one physical therapist for a while, who did mm-hmm. all these number of things. Uh, but what is what kind of medic? What what kind of healing, or what kind of medicine or healing? You know, it doesn't have to be a pill. Or, I mean, what what kind of healing do you, methods do you use? I have stopped taking pills. Um, I said before they had me on prescription um, strength Olive, and um, which is naproxen, and they had me on um, Vioxx for a short time before they took it off the market. But they took Vioxx off the market because it was connected to a, I believe, 54 or 55% increased risk of heart attack. And okay. so they, they said that that was too dangerous. And so they wanted to take it off the market. But I read in, because I read about as much stuff as I can. Um, I read later on that Aleve is connected to like a 45% increased risk of heart attack. And wow. so I thought, well, this is just kind of silly. So they've decided that 50% is the random cutoff. Like how, how, how big of a risk is someone with muscular dystrophy supposed to put their heart at, you know? Right. Um, and, and so, you know, they told me that muscular dystrophy on that FSHD, which we should be specific because they're all different. Um, we, I was told that FSHD only affects voluntary muscles and that it doesn't have any effect on the heart. But at that time, they also told me that I couldn't damage the muscle through overwork. And I know that that's not true. I mean, uh, just, just unambiguously, I know that that's not true. Um, so I swore off the pills. Um, I, I don't like the idea of them, although Aleve was really the only thing that helped me with my physical pain when I was working. And so without it, I wouldn't have been able to stay at the bench as long as I did. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I think that things like that are awesome for people who damaged themselves, but then their body's going to heal. But if you've right. got uh, if you've got an ongoing thing, I, I for me I didn't like the idea of being on that stuff forever and ever. Amen. Um, yeah, I, that that to me just looked like a bleeding ulcer and a ruined liver waiting to happen. You know, um, and so that was really the thing that led me to start investigating food um, and looking at. What can I do if I if I'm not going to take an anti-inflammatory? Then what I'm going to do is try to prevent the inflammation from happening in the first place. <clears throat> and so, uh, I read that chamomile tea is a mild anti-inflammatory that can help with carpal tunnel, which is one of the things I have. And so I drink three or four cups of chamomile tea every day as a mild yeah. anti-inflammatory. Um, I eat a lot of turmeric and ginger because I've read similar things about that. Yeah. Um, I, <clears throat> I've tried a variety of things. Food is such a huge and convoluted subject and there's so much, um, contradictory information out there about it that it's kind of hard to filter through and it can be a big process to, to go through because 
you can't just say like, okay, I'm going to cut out tomatoes for a week and find out if that's causing my joint pain. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> because it, it takes a lot longer than that. And there's so many different things that go into it, but there are things yeah. that are just clearly unambiguous. You know, I mean, eating too much sugar is not good for your body. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it causes inflammation. It, it's, you know, I mean, all sorts of stuff. So, so yeah, I avoid the things that I know are bad. I don't, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll have a drink now and then, but I don't drink alcohol as yeah. I used to. I, although when I was in my depressed denial stage, I can't deny I did a certain amount of um, escapism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I fall um, into the denial space and I'll, I'll drink um, uh, definitely too much for my own good. Um, which is counterproductive because then you wake up feeling worse the next day. You wake it doesn't up feeling worse, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't you know, do anything for your mental outlook or your physical outlook. Yeah, yeah. Recently, I've just you know uh, really been choosing clarity, and, and that's Absolutely. been helpful. You know, I don't. I Absolutely. try. I, I'm like you. I don't want to take a lot of drugs and stuff. Um, um, right. But I got to a point where, like, I don't call what I'm going through pain. I call it perpetual discomfort. True. And so um, I don't want to take pain meds, um, right. but I, I recently went to uh, pain management and at pain management, they gave me uh, these steroid shots in my shoulders Okay. Uh, and they let the, those shots last for like months. Yes. And I have to say that shit worked. Yeah. And it worked for me in my lower back once too. Yeah, and they gave me uh, these muscle relaxants. Uh, a friend of mine uh, had had sciatica, and he had extra, you know, muscle relaxants. And he was like, "Well, try one of these." And I, I ate half of it, and I was completely twisted, but my back wasn't hurting. So I was like, "Wow, I'll try a quarter of one, which is the actual dosage, is <laughs> a right. quarter of a pill." And it definitely, it still makes you a little woozy and all of that. Like I don't, you know. Um, but I asked the pain med people to give me those, and I have those. Um, I use them very, very sparingly, like when I'm really in pain, and I use them. I, I usually wait until the evening um, right. to take them because, you know, they're not a daytime thing. Like I can't eat right. and, and function and be around in the daytime. Um, but I, I can't speak. I, I can't speak to the science of it, but I was warned against taking muscle relaxers <laughs> um, when I first started doing all this, and oh. I don't know the reasoning. So I, I, you know, I mean, I, and I don't honestly, I don't know if they would even still say that. Um, but since I was warned against them in the beginning, I honestly never yeah, you tried. Never tried it. Um, I, I stretch. Um, my, uh, my wife and I were doing yoga, um, and just, you know, stretching and, and I found that very helpful because I was going through a lot of back pain, um, you know, back then. And so I found the yoga and, and just sort of stretching and being mindful of my body position to yeah. be helpful. And so basically every night when I get in bed, I'm stretching before I go to sleep. And when I lay down to go to sleep, I'm being 
extra careful to make sure that my spine is dead straight and my, you know, that everything is nice and yeah. straight so that when I go to sleep, I'll, I tend to sleep in that position for a while. And so and you, I, I find I wake up. Are you a side sleeper or a back sleeper? I'm a side sleeper. If I sleep, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm a back sleeper. If I sleep on the <laughs> side, my hands go to sleep and then I wake up all numb and uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm a side sleeper. And so you've got stronger arms than me. My soul is hurting and, yeah. So I've got to figure out the proper pillow and all of that. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I stretch and um, I, I stretch. I, I, well, the deep breathing, I think, helps me more with my mental state than anything, but I do deep breathing exercises to. Yeah, I just started to do this uh, this thing called the breather. Uh huh. It's a product that helps you, like, that, like if you're not a yoga person or whatever, um, it helps you do this kind of deep breathing exercises twice a day. And so mm-hmm. I've just started that. And it's, I, I have to say, uh, even just in the last week, I can feel the difference. Yesterday I was short. With, like my, like sometimes I get short with it um, because everything is such a struggle. Every movement is like this uh, workout. And so um, a lot of times I'm short winded because of that. And, right. um, and so I've been using the breather and it's, it's so far it's been helpful, but I guess as we go along, I'll get a little bit stronger because I don't know if they made you test your lungs when you got this, or if they reg- regularly do that. But it's one of the first they did not diagnose me. They did not, although at the time I wasn't complaining about it. So that may have been a thing. You know, I mean, I didn't go right. in saying I'm a professional singer. I'd like to keep my voice strong. You know, right? I mean, I have noticed that I I am one of these inveterate shower singers. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I've noticed that I can't really sing in the shower as much anymore it's because strong, it's the damnedest yeah. thing. I find that like singing takes enough energy out of me that it makes my legs weak. I mean, this is a crazy it thing, but a, I, I find yes. you, you, you find the same thing because I'm so used to singing in the shower. And then like one day, cause I was like, you know, I'm in the shower. I'm like, Oh man, my legs are like, just about giving out on me and i'm starting to get really scared like oh man i don't want to fall in the shower you know yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. what's up and I, I realized like i have to limit my singing because if i really go in there and sing full voice the way i want to um yeah it wears me out i have to choose one yeah, or the other it comes from your diaphragm without a doubt you know? yeah and so it comes to, it's not just all here or, or or you know it's not just all your chest you know your lungs and your throat it actually comes from way lower than that it comes from your your almost your groin area so mm-hmm. it's a it's, a, it's a, a lot of muscles are being used when you're doing that so yeah and i blew out my stomach muscles in high school so <laughs> yeah I feel, you. I feel you that's where the weakness is for, for me vocally it's like i can't i can sing a little bit but i can't sustain a, a strong voice so i'm, I'm, I'm playing with that i'm playing with that. i'm gonna do some other shits mm-hmm but man, thank you so much for sharing all your all your information and and being so candid about um, about this condition. I really well, it's my it. pleasure. I'm I'm happy to continue the conversation with you and and yeah, I don't know if we've said anything that's going to be helpful to others, but if oh, I'm so, sure there's a bunch of stuff I that so. you said. You know, I can I can almost go back and make points. Of like, oh wow, 
when you said this, that that's going to resonate. Um, you know, like I said, you know, years ago, this comedian said, the more personal you get, the more universal. So let's not forget that, you know, sharing our personal journeys. Um, you know, a lot of times people don't think that they're, uh, that what they have is of any value. And, um, um, but we all need to know that who we are and what we reason with and what we deal with, um, whatever tribulations that we're, we're, whatever challenges we're facing, um, are relevant to the rest of the world if they stop and listen. Um, mm -hmm. it, you know, you learn something new every day if you just shut the hell up and listen. And you learn something we all have more in day. common than otherwise. That's right. And you learn something every day is when you listen to yourself. We all have something uh, amazing to offer. And, um, and I appreciate what you've offered today. Thanks a lot for, for every single word. And I'm going to continue to pick your brain in the future. Um, and uh, Cool. Maybe we'll start up that nonprofit. <laughs> maybe we'll start up that nonprofit. Well, I'll, that's another thing I'm going to talk to you off camera because that's something that me and my wife have been talking about for a while. So, um, it's, it's not, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's coming. It's, it's, it's on the way. It's on the way. But I really do appreciate the conversation and, and, and thank you for your patience and, and, uh, and sharing your wisdom. Um, like, is there, is there, like, I know you told me once before that, uh, you had studied a whole bunch of computer stuff, but that you don't uh, do online too much, or you don't do social media. Do you, do you have a website? Do you have a... Um... I didn't say that I studied computers. I said that when I was in junior high school, I was in one of the first computer classes in New ah, York. Ah, okay. But that, I mean, when I was in junior high school, one of right, the first. So, you know, I was on a TRS-80. I don't know how many people are going to remember Oh, my goodness. That. That is, <laughs> you know, back when Radio wild. Shack was the only deal in town, you know. Wow, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I no, I'm a complete Luddite. Uh, like, like I said the other day, um, I have been around computers since their infancy because I was around before there were computers. But I, I've always found no pleasure in them. I, I was like, well, this just feels like a toy to me. And I just always, and this is a big part of like, you know, I mean, I, I think a big thing is like, we, we choose our paths in life and then we define ourselves by the things that we do. And I mm. defined myself by the things that I made. And so I didn't feel like I was making something on a computer. And I know that a lot of people wow. might take umbrage with that because you are very much making something on a computer. And I'm not talking about them. I'm talking yes. about my personal interaction with what I was doing. You know, like I liked, I liked building a fence with yeah. my granddad. I liked, you know, making a violin or restoring an instrument or making something functional. And, and I know that computers are functional and I know that computers solve so many things and do so much. It's just that I never 
forged a personal bond with them. I just, I don't, yeah. I don't so, find So you don't have a website? I don't know. I'm, I've never been on social media. I don't have a website. I don't know. Okay. So anybody that wants to get in touch with Phil Monaco, uh, they got to come through me. <laughs> I'm lurking in the shadows. <laughs> it's like it's like some gangster stuff, you know. You can't talk to the boss. You got to talk to me. It's all good. We know somebody. <laughs> all right, my brother. Much love to you. And, and um, you. And thank you for uh, for sharing yourself on my platform. Um, the reason why I call this uh, platform Speak Life is because I had a brother, a really amazing guitar player who passed away. Um, his name is Ronnie Drayton. I grew up with him. I knew that dude since I was six years old. We went to first grade. Um, and uh, when we used to talk, like, you know how brothers will say, like, you know, real talk. Um, they, we didn't say real talk. We'd say, he, Ronnie would always say, like, yo, speak life. And so that's where that title comes from. It's an honor uh, to, my, to my brother Ronnie. And, um, and you know, if, if you don't know who Ronnie Drayton is, um, please Google him. You won't be mad. He was a guitar player for Family Stand. He's the guitar player on Everybody Loves the Sunshine for Roy Harris. He's the guitar player for so many things, Taylor Dane, so many artists that I can't begin to name now. And uh, and I'm honored to call him a, a friend and comrade for so many years. Um, and it's why I named the, the, the conversation Speak Life. And it's why, and, and I focused it on doing just that, speaking life. So once again, Thanks for being part of the uh, second episode uh, that I that we called "To the Hard Way" uh, because uh, me and Phil uh, share a condition, um, and we also share uh, a commonality of a love of music and, uh, and love of art. So, thanks to uh, Phil for speaking, and thanks to anybody who puts an ear up on us. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure talking to you. Peace, brother. Peace. Be well.